The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and visual teachings, visit mountainpark.org. I want to I today, um, thank you for letting me be here with you to spend, how come you're here? That's what, isn't there a cooler place somewhere like Flagstaff or, so half the church is here and the other half are like on I-17 right now trying to get to or fro, but it's great to be with you. I want to I share with you today uh, a truth that I think is one of the most undervalued, underappreciated, underutilized truths for followers of Jesus anywhere at any time. In fact, it's out of Romans, and later on in Romans, Paul says, if you want to transform your life, if you want to be transformed rather than being conformed, renew your mind. The renewing of your mind is going to transform you. So if you can somehow get this stuck into your mind and etched into your being, I promise you, you will live differently. It will transform who you are. But it's so underappreciated. So if you have your Bibles or it's up on the screen, the, <clears throat> excuse me, the eighth chapter of Romans, let's take a look at starting in verse 31. Paul says this, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Just let you know for just a moment, in case you haven't really got a hold of this yet in your life, God is for you. It's not even a question. It really should be, since God is for us, since God is on our side, then he starts to ask questions. There's four questions I want you to hang on today. Since God is for us, who can be against us? It's the first one. Who can oppose us? Who can stand against us? What, what can be a blockade in front of us to make us stumble and fall and not get to our destination? Who, what? Now, I sit back there and go, I've got a list of things. Are you kidding me? I've got a list of things. Hardships, and you just go through. It could be disease. It could be disaster. It could be divorce. It could be all kinds of... What about just indwelling sin that kind of creeps on your... What about, what about death? What about anxiety? What about demons, the whole dark world and, all, and the devil and all that kind of... I got a whole list of stuff that, that could stand against us. And he answers the question with this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Basically what God is saying, what Paul's saying is, God gave us his son. He didn't spare his son, he gave us his son. If he gave us his son, you think he's not going to take care of all these other things? So make the list, add to the list, add them all up and against a for God who is, or God who is for us, doesn't hold a candle. Who can stop you? No one is basically what he's saying. Second question, who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. In other words, who, who can accuse you? It's a legal term. Who can, who can provide you with a summons? Who can, who can give you a summons? Anybody ever receive a summons? Remember photo radar? Yeah, I've, I've got a few of those where, like, I didn't do anything, I didn't do anything. There's a picture of me going 20 miles over, you know. You are dead. They, accusation, we got evidence on you. And the enemy loves that. 
The enemy loves to point a finger and says, oh, man. Oh, man, what you did, those choices you made, who you are. That and, and, and Paul says, God's the one who justifies us. God's the one who decides who's to be judged and who's not. It's not anyone else pointing a finger at you. Next question, because that actually leads to this one, who could condemn you? Who's that he that condemned you? So you got somebody accusing you of stuff, so you, all of a sudden you just got this guilt and this shame. And some of us, we live most of our life with this cloud of guilt. I can't believe I, can't believe I liked Mungo Jerry when I was in high school. What was I thinking of and what was I chasing that? Good grief. And the condemnation that just hangs on us and hangs on us. And if, if, if the enemy's not condemning us, there's others that will certainly do it. And I don't know about you, but it's sometimes just me condemning myself. Condemnation is no way to live. It's such a heavy way to live. Paul says, who's going to condemn you? And then he doesn't even just, he doesn't even answer the condemnation part. Listen to what he says. Let's just talk about Jesus. Christ Jesus died on the cross. He died for your sins. He, he died for your condemnation. He took it all away. Therefore, there is no condemnation because Christ nailed it to the, to the cross with him when, when he went. And if that's not enough, he resurrected. He came to new life and new empowerment and he's in your heart, he's in your life and that condemnation is gone. The old self is dead. There's a new life in you. And if that's not enough, he is sitting at the right hand of God right now. Notice, sitting there. He's there. There's no more work to be done. He's sitting back, sipping an iced tea and, and just saying, he's not chattering of this tea. Oh no, there's, there's Ralph down there. I didn't, I didn't do enough for him. He's got more sin. There's, there's Mary over there. and Oh, oh no, he, I, I've accomplished it. It's done. It's finished. And then he's sitting next to God, and he's interceding for us. He's speaking to his father about you. And every time there's a word of accusation that comes up against you from the enemy, every time condemnation is thrown on you from the enemy just to, to weigh you down and trip you up, every time someone tries to stand up against you and oppose you, he whispers to his father, oh, that's one of ours. That's one of us. No, no, no. Condemnation? No, no. Uh-uh. I've got that covered. I took that punishment. I paid that price. He's under the blood. Satan can just throw all this stuff at me. Hey, God, what about Don? Do you know what Don did about it? No, no, no. Don's under the blood. Jesus would whisper to his father. Well, the father would say, I don't remember it. He'd go, yeah, because I paid for it. It's all done. And then he says, who can separate you? Who can separate you from the love of Christ? And the list that goes on is all inclusive. You can't name something that doesn't fit in that list. Who can separate you from the love of Christ? And then in verse 37 it says, no, nothing, if you will, nothing. In all these things, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him, through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors. I want you to catch that. Notice it doesn't just say we're conquerors. It certainly doesn't say we have all the opportunity to be a conqueror. It doesn't say um, 
if you try real hard or you live just the right life, if you go to church enough, even in July, then you might be a conqueror. It doesn't say, well, you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. And hopefully because of Jesus, you're going to win a few more than you lose. And you're going to win. You're going to be a win in life. It says words that, that, that just explode in my mind. We are more than. We're not becoming. We're not want to be. We're not almost. We're not hope to be. We are in Christ Jesus more than conquerors. Wow. Here's what I want you to get etched into your, to your psyche today that will transform you. The, the eternal truth of God's sovereign victory, the eternal stamp of God's sovereign victory is etched in your heart and in your soul and in your life. You will never lose in Christ Jesus. You are more than a conqueror. Well, I'm kind of glad we did some oldies today because you that are oldies like me will, will, will remember 1976. Some of you are going, I was never born yet, and so you won't remember. But 1976 was the bicentennial of our, of our great nation. And it was coming out of a very rough time, a very rough patch of history. A lot of things are happening, some things that, that we're not real proud of, some things that we're very proud of, but it didn't even matter anymore because 1976, the United States of America turned 200 years old, and it was red, white, and blue everywhere. It was the spirit of Americana, and Hollywood got a hold of it. And they produced a movie toward the end of 1976 that captured that bicentennial spirit. It was called Rocky. Rocky. Rocky was a, a very intriguing character. He was this backstreet, brawling, overweight, chain-smoking bum of a boxer. His whole life, over and over and over again, as it laid out in the screen, would just be described in one word, undisciplined. He'd go fight, make a few bucks, lose it, go, go collect some money. I mean, he, lonely and miserable was his life. But the, one of the most endearing things about him was his, I would, I guess, lack of command of the English language. That, that was something that just kind of would draw you in. He would, he would talk like this. He got his mouth full, he couldn't really understand him, and he'd talk like this, and that's all he talked. And then he'd just go, but he came up with a couple words that really would just carry the day. Yo. Yo. He said it like 585 times in the first 10 minutes. Yo. 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 And you're with him with the yo. He meets this girl named Adrian, and he falls deeply in love. And, uh, and you see the romance start to, to bloom, and, and uh, it, he he's so deeply in love with her that his, his vocabulary doubles in expansion. It goes from just, yo, to, yo, Adrian. Yo, Adrian. Yo, Adrian. I mean, you just wherever you put the emphasis, yo, Adrian. You know, I mean, whatever. And that's the dialogue. You catch that dialogue, you got the movie right there. But it, as it starts to go, the, the story is, is very capture, captivating. It, he, he, he meets this, 
this guy, this invitation comes from this guy named Apollo Creed, who is the reigning champion of the, of the world. And the exact opposite of Rocky. Apollo Creed is the master of disaster. He's the king of sting. He's articulate. He's classy. He's quick. He's clever. He is the man. And he decides he is going to give somebody a chance to, uh, to, to take him on in the ring and, and to capture the, the championship. He's going to make a nobody a somebody if they can just beat him. Kind of like, you know, I had the chance here and I lost on the car. But he was going to give them their, all you got to do is beat the champ. And so Rocky, he's, he's into that. I'm, I'm doing it. And so the next balance of the movie is him trying to get trained and disciplined in order to be able to, to get ready to fight. And so he, he wears the same old sweatpants and sweatshirt every day. He gets up early in the morning. He drinks raw eggs. He does one-hand push-ups. He runs through the streets all by himself. He has sparring partners. He, he, he finds himself most of the time in a meat locker, tenderizing the beef, if you've been around there. That's his, and he has this trainer called Mick. And Mick, Mick doesn't do much better with the English language than, than Rocky. Mick talks out of half of his mouth. And so that's kind of the dialogue. Yo, 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 Adrian. That, that's, that's the movie, and it, it goes along. Well, finally, we come to the big championship, and, and I'm at this movie. I've, I've brought, I'm just started in youth ministry. I'm a youth pastor. I brought about 20 high school guys with me, and we're watching it, and by now, we're getting amped up. We are, we're starting to feel it like only a high school kid can do it, and there's Buttkiss, his dog, who slobbers all over the place, and there's two little turtles, Cuff and Link, and, and Adrian, Yo, and going through the whole, the day of the, of the championship bout. The arena is red, white, and blue, decked out. And all the fanfare, here comes Apollo Creed. And he's in red, white, and blue. And he's, he's like Uncle Sam. And he's going in, I want you, I want you. I want, and he's going in, and Rocky's just, Rocky's just got these white trunks on with these little red stripes. And he watches him come in, and here comes Apollo, and it gets time for the, and you, you can just see right at the beginning, oh, oh, my goodness. Oh, bless his heart. Oh, bless poor Rocky. But this ain't going to end well. You can just tell. And in the first round, you, it, it, it's really emphasized to you that you're, you're on the right track. He gets hit in the, in the face like 185 times within the first just few seconds. His face is looking like the, the meat locker. It's just all beat up. And then all of a sudden, I don't know how he did it, but kind of as he's falling back, he takes a swing at Rocky or swing at Apollo Creed, and Apollo Creed hits the canvas. Boom! And you're going, whoa, whoa, there's hope. We're in for a fight. And for the next five rounds, 10 rounds, all the way to the 15th round, they're just let. And, and the high school kids I'm with, they are loving every second of it. They are just, this doesn't get any better. Somewhere along the line, a couple came in all well-dressed and had dinner together, and they sat right next to us. And I kept apologizing to them because my boys were just like, you're hitting me on it. The 15th round. Neither one of them goes down. And the fight's over. And it's a split decision. And the referee, there's three of them. One referee says, Rocky. Hey. One referee, Apollo Creed. Ooh. It's all up to one. The crowd starts chanting, Rocky, 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 Rocky. And the winner of the split decision, the championship of the world, Apollo Creed. And you could 
you could just feel the air right out of the theater. And I have one of the high school kids go, stands up in the seat and goes, what? Are you kidding me? And I'm going, oh no, oh no. There's going to be a sequel. They have, they have set us up big time for a sequel. And sure enough, there's a sequel. Rocky II, same thing. Now Rocky is fighting Apollo because Apollo doesn't think that they approve of his championship because they think Rocky won. And so it's the same old sweatpants. And it's the same raw eggs. It's up early in the morning and he's doing one-hand push-ups and he's, he's hammering away at the beef in the, in the locker room. And now when he runs, though, he doesn't run by himself. He runs with like three, 400 kids chasing him down all over the place and he's getting all ready. But there's one thing different about this one. It's the music. Well, the music was there in Rocky One, but it didn't grab us like Rocky Two. But Rocky Two, it grabs you. Ta da da, da da, da da da, da da. I mean, I'm just in just my beautiful voice as I'm just relaying this to you. I'm feeling, I'm feeling it. Da da da. I mean, my heart starts pumping. Da da da. I can my my adrenaline starts running. I'm I'm breathing a little deeper actually. And I'm just I mean I'm I feel and when that starts da da da, you know something good's gonna happen because Rocky's getting together. And in in the second fight, we go all the way through 15 rounds of just brutal, 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 brutal fighting. The 15th round, they simultaneously Apollo Creed and Rocky hit each other at the same time and they both go down boom on the mat and I'm going oh no there's going to be another sequel <laughs> oh no get up Rocky Rocky get up oh Rocky come on get up Rocky if you don't get up we're, we're going to have to have Rocky 3 please get up Rocky and the, and the slow, referee slows down to slow motion one two I'm going, there'll never be a sequel if you don't keep going on this thing. About number five, Apollo Creed gets up, looks into the camera, you're going, no, and then boom, he goes down. Yeah, he's down, and then six, and you're going, if there's a tie, the champion's going to get it. We're, get up, Rocky, get up. Eight, somewhere between eight and nine. Eight, all of a sudden you hear, ta-da-da, da-da, ta-da-da. And he gets up by nine. He's up and he says, yo, Adrian! And he wins the fight and he's a champion. And oh, I'm telling you what, I'm going out of that theater just ta-da-dun all over the place. I can't get that song out of my head everywhere. I, don't you cut me off in traffic. Ta-da-da, I'm after you. I'm in the grocery store. Take your 18 items and get over in that other aisle because this is the express lane. Ta-da-da! I'm out for justice. Bring on the hell's angels. Ta-da! For the next week, I'm, I'm ready. There's something about a champion that's contagious. There's something about victory that just gets a hold of us. There's something about being able to face down a fight and to win that just grabs us. Rocky III. <laughs> he has a new sweatsuit. He has a house of a champion, a car of a champion, a lifestyle of a champion. He fights uh, about 10 contenders, but they're, they're just stiffs. They're not even, they can't hang in there with him. But off in the shadows is Clubber Lane. Clubber Lane trains like Rocky used to. Clubber Lane is played by Mr. T, if you'll remember Mr. T. I mean, the dude is big, he's buff, he's mean, and he wants bellboys hungry. 
And they finally, they finally square off. And in about the second or third round, boom, Rocky goes down and he's not getting up. And it's one, two, three, and you're going, that's all right, give him till about eight, and then you're going to hear the music. And it's eight, and you're listening, and it's silent. Nine, and it's still silent. Ten. Ten? Ten. Ten? What do you mean ten? We don't go. Rocky doesn't go to ten. Ten. And he's beaten. And the balance of the movie is he's dealing with his failure. He's dealing with fear. He's dealing with low self-esteem. He's dealing with grief because Mick dies. He's grilling all this inside stuff that's going on that's bigger than any battle that he's starting to fight. But there's a rematch, and finally in the third round, you know something's going to happen because in the third round, ta-da-da, and boom, Clubber Lane hits the mat and down, and Rocky's the champion again, the world champion where he belongs. Now I'm going to spare you the other five or six Rockies that come after that <laughs> and just tell you, isn't there something inspiring about a champion it's motivating, it's, it's emotional. But more so, in these Rocky stories, the very basis of the gospel story is, is just ruminating over and over and over and over again. Paul said in one place, sin reigned upon this earth. But where sin abounded, the grace of God abounded more. Paul's saying, there's a new champion in this world. Doesn't matter how broken and beat up and sinful and dark and, and wicked the world might be. Everywhere there's sin. Everywhere there's a clubber lane with trial and temptation trying to bring you down. Everywhere that there's a possibility of sin abounding, the grace of God abounds more. And then it, you just can go through scripture. Almost every character you can come across. There's a rocky story. A nobody becomes a somebody and raises to the top. And then usually somewhere along the line, they blow it. And boom, to the canvas they go. David, little shepherd boy, beats the giant Goliath, becomes king of Israel, the greatest nation. It becomes, becomes the strongest nation under his leadership. But he can't handle Bathsheba. Or he handles her too well, maybe. in boom. On the mat, on the canvas, he's done. Gideon, little guy, big, big battle that we all talk about, and one day it just all falls in, caves in on him. Samson, when the spirit of the Lord came on Samson, he, would, he could kill a lion with his bare hands. He took the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand of his enemies. He was, he was the conqueror. He was the champion. of. The, but he couldn't handle it either. And he breaks his covenant with God. And he breaks his commitment with God. And boom, to the canvas he goes. You could go Moses. You could go Peter. You could go Paul. You, you can go through all the characters. Somewhere along the line. You can go to you and me. We were nobodies that became somebody through Jesus. And we thought we could whip the world. But there's a clubber lane. Stalking in the shadows trying to bring us down. Have you ever hit the mat? Have you ever hit the canvas? I have. And boom, you're laid out and you think there's, I don't know if I could ever get up. I'm defeated. Done. I'm going to tell you, 
But there's the eternal stamp of God's sovereign victory that's been placed in your heart through Jesus Christ. That greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That where sin and death once reigned, now the grace of God more abounds. We don't need just a good story from Rocky. We don't even need a good model of a Bible character. We don't need Rocky, we need a rock. We need the rock. And you talk about a Rocky story. How about Jesus? Out of nowhere, here he comes. People are saying, can a champion come out of Nazareth? Out of Nazareth of all places? But for the first 30 years of his life, he's just preparing himself for the battle of a lifetime. About age 30, he starts to preach and to teach, to heal. He starts taking on lesser contenders. He defeats blindness. He takes a swat at disease. He, he, he knocks to the mat leprosy, depression. I mean, he's dealing with all these lesser contenders, just beating them one by. But he didn't come for minor miracles. He didn't even come for major miracles. He came to defeat your adversary and mine. He came to give us victory and a relationship with God for all our life. And he went to battle for that. Go to a ring, it's not red, white, and blue. It's an old skull-looking mountain called Golgotha. Some crosses up on top. And he's taken to that place. And a battle enrages. It's, it's, it's not just kind of a churchy thing. It's wickedness. It's putrid smell of filthy sin. It's brokenness. It's, it's the horrific rebellion that comes into our hearts. It's us trying to make ourselves God. And it fights against the purity and the holiness and the hope and the wholeness of God himself. It's dark versus light. It's evil versus good. And Jesus starts to take punches. And before long, his face is almost unrecognizable because he's taken so many punches. His back is bleeding and flesh is hanging in strips. And you're going, come on, Jesus, get up and fight. What are you doing, Jesus? And he's going, I'm not done yet. And he's taken every blow. He's taken... He's taken the blows that were aimed at me upon himself. He's taken the fists that you should have received. He's taken your judgment, my judgment, our punishment, the punishment of the whole world first. He's taken it upon himself and it's beaten him to a pulp. And you're going, come on, Jesus, you're bigger than this. You're a conqueror. You're stronger. Than Get up and fight. Just when you think, Take no more. You hear from his own lips. It is finished. But it rings out louder than that. It's not just coming from heaven. It's, it's coming from the depths of hell itself. It is finished. Yes, evil has won. Satan has won. The devil has won. We have conquered the conqueror. Now sin can reign. Now death will have the final word. To the ground he goes buried in the tomb. All of hell is rejoicing. It's finished. It's over. And they start to count down to their victory. One, 
two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then you start to hear. Ta-da-da. Da-da. First Easter song. Ta-da-da. Da-da. Before nine ever gets there, he's resurrected from the grave. He's standing up now with one last blow that knocks Satan to the ground. And sin is done. Death is done. Victory is his. He's the master. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we are here today because he got up off the mat through the power of God and was resurrected to new life and to us being the recipients of that new life. And now he's the conqueror and he's the champion, but it doesn't stop there because we're still in the ring and we still face adversary. And he does something no heavyweight champion has ever done before. He confers his title onto us. The belt, the authority, the recognition. You now are more than conquerors because of what I have done. More. Oh, no, Jesus... You don't know what stands up against me. You don't know the hardships I'm facing. Oh, Jesus, you don't, you don't know what I've gone through. Jesus, you don't know what I'm going through. Oh, no, wait, 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 Jesus. Good grief, you don't understand that, that the anxiety and the fear. You don't understand the darkness that sets in. You don't understand the demons and the devil. You don't understand the temptation. And Jesus is saying, get up. Get up off the mat. Who can stand against you? Paul says, God gave you his son. He didn't even spare his son. If he gave you his very best, you don't think he's going to take care of the rest of that? Oh, yeah, but oh, but oh, you don't know what I'm being accused of. You don't know the one who is... Con- Let God be the judge of that, of whether you're guilty or not. Well, you don't know the condemnation I feel. You don't know the guilt I feel. You don't know how I blew it. I just need to lay on the mat forever. I can never get up off this mat again. I've messed up so badly. I'm never, ever going to get back up. And Jesus is saying, would you get up? Get up. Who can condemn you? Let me remind you, Paul says, Jesus died for your condemnation. Jesus resurrected again to empower you with his spirit and with his new life. He's sitting at the throne of God because the work is done. He doesn't need to do another thing. The victory is yours now. And every time there's a question, who, who's condemning you now? He stands up there and intercedes between the Father. That one's under my blood. That one's under my blood. That one's under my blood. Satan, you have no hands on that person. huh? He's ours. It's our child. It's our team. More than conqueror. What can separate me from such a thing? It could it really be? Could it really be that Jesus has done all that for me? What could it ever separate me? Nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. Paul says, I'm convinced. It doesn't matter. I'm just convinced. Death, life, angels, principalities, demons, persecution, sword. You name it, nothing can separate us. 
Get off the mat. Get off the canvas. You don't live this life to lose. You're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, this truth is one that will change us, not only today, but tomorrow through the week. Forgive us for not being able to see what you've, you've accomplished in us. We try to do a lot on our own. We might win, we might lose. But when we do things through you, we're more than conquerors. For the victory, we say thank you. For the gift of Jesus, we receive him. For the empowerment of the Spirit, we are enclosed. And for the hope of a life above the defeat that we're so used to, we say thank you. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. amen.